network you love. This is the VA Talk Show, where VAs talk the walk. Bandwidth is provided by VANetworking.com, your online community for VAs all over the world. Welcome to the fifth edition of the VA Talk Show. A great show featuring Mary Lou Ashton of the Virtual Assistant Training Program. If you've been wondering how to attract that ideal client, then you'll want to stay tuned to hear how from Mary Lou. Are you thinking about buying a laptop? If you said yes, you'll also want to hang with us today to hear some of Rockin' Talks. Rockin' Talks laptop buying tips. That's a tongue twister if I ever heard one. We'll also have another short search engine Optimization Primer by Carrie and myself, talking about all those mighty meta tags and why you should and shouldn't use them. A great show lineup and hope you hang up what you're doing today and listen in. Bringing the virtual industry news closer to you with today's VA Industry Spotlight. Today on our show, our guest speaker is Mary Lou Ashton, who's owner of the Virtual Assistant Training Program and Vision to Action Coaching. You can find more about her at www.vatp.ca. Mary Lou has been a coach for the past five years and is also a student at coachinc.com, living in beautiful British Columbia, just where I live too. Welcome Mary Lou and thanks for coming on our show today. Hi Tanya, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. You're going to be talking to us about something that's really important, I know, in my business, and it's got to be in everyone else's. It's about finding your ideal client and the laws of attraction. So, Mary Lou, what is the most difficult thing about finding your ideal client? I think the biggest challenge for most VAs is that when they're starting out, they often come from a place of scarcity or need. You know, versus abundance and choice, usually the need is financial. And when we're starting out with our businesses, we need to make money. And what ends up happening for a lot of us is we end up working with clients who are not ideal and they end up taking up our time, space and energy. And it doesn't allow those ideal clients to come in. Mm -hmm. So it's about coming from that place of abundance and choice. Now, how do you determine your ideal client and who that is? Well, it really, it, it, it's all about who you are, and it is a very individual thing. So if every VA needs to sit down and take some time to think about it, you know, and what I did was I wrote down an ideal client profile, mm-hmm. and I, I took a look at what I was passionate about. You know, what did I really enjoy doing? You know, and I thought about my background and my experience and then thought about, well, do I want long-term client relationships or just short-term? And then I took at that, a look at that and looked to see if there was a profession or an industry that I was familiar with and I enjoyed being a part of. You know, and if, and then there was some industries that I'd always wanted to be a part of. So then when I, t- I, I kind of took a look at that, I thought about how the services that I wanted to provide, how they could match other types of clients. Um, 
The other important thing that I needed to get clear on was what were some of the qualities that I wanted in my ideal client? What kind of people would they be? You know, what would be important for me, for my clients to have? So it would be things like honesty, integrity, mm-hmm. you know, how many years they've been in business, uh, whether they were collaborative or not. Um, you know, whether they paid on time, yeah, exactly. <laughs> those types of things. Did we, you know, what were their communication styles and were they even able to delegate? Cause, uh, you know, some people are not able to give up control. So when I got clear on, on, on what were the things I really wanted my client to have, then I, then I took a look at the other side of that. So what would be things that would be red flags for me? You know, um, and it would be things like somebody who didn't respect my boundaries, you know, and was calling me in the evenings and weekends, Um, someone who wasn't a good communicator or uh, couldn't see the value that I was bringing. You know, maybe they would have unreasonable expectations Mm -hmm. or, you know, micromanagers, those types of things. So when I wrote those ADHD clients, you know, those ones that are all over the place, right? Exactly. And so once I got clear on what I did want and what I didn't want, you know, and what professions I enjoyed being around or being involved in, then I could then take all of those things and kind of melt them all together and, and come up with, you know, who my ideal client was and then where I might be able to find them. Yeah, finding them. So once you know who they are, now you can find them easier that way, right? Yes. And there's really no magic answer to, you know, finding where they are. Mm-hmm. But, you know, based on the work that, that I did, um, it was easier for me to match the profile of my client to a profession or an industry. And then I just thought, okay, well, if this is the industry I want to target, where would they be? Where would those people be? You know, is there a conference or an annual convention? Um, is there newsletters or magazines that they would subscribe? subscribe to where there are speaking opportunities for me to go to speak to my my target market you know what other kinds of services would they use I mean you know I thought about well what do I need as a business owner and every business owner needs a bookkeeper right so so I thought, okay, well, let's go to the local bookkeeper and, and see if I could connect through my clients through them. So it was being creative and coming up with ways of how to get in front of my potential clients and make my presence known. So let's say if I wanted to find clients that were in a real estate niche and, and work for a lot of realtors, then I might go hanging out at uh, real estate conventions or, or forums or things like that to find them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Exactly. So Mary Lou, how do I get clients to be attracted to me? Well, attraction is really a state of being. So it's it's when your integrity along with your having high standards and knowing what your values are, um, it naturally and without effort draws others towards you. Mm-hmm. So when you're irresistibly attractive, What happens is when you focus on making yourself attractive to the best things in life, then, you know, that happiness and joy are present. And that becomes very, very attractive to others. 
And I have a lot of attractive clients. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> you know that attraction? No. Uh, anyways, <laughs> no, I hear exactly what you're saying. I mean, uh, if you're one way and if you're very ethical, you will have a lot of ethical people attract to you. It's just the law of attraction. You bet. You know, when you're whole and complete, you know, meaning that you've worked on your personal development Mm -hmm. and you don't struggle, then without effort, you draw to you what you want in life, you know, versus having to sell, seduce or or promote yourself. And when you love what you do and believe in what you do and are proud of it, you're able to attract to you people, opportunities and money that you want with confidence and ease, mm-hmm. you know, and people want to work with VAs that they can trust, relate to, and that they like. So when you make that connection on a heart level with someone and you show them that you care about them as people rather than as consumers of your service, you become irresistibly attracted to them and their interests in your services automatically follow. Mary Lou, this is something like I had a client that I was mentoring and he was a very, very disorganized uh, client. Uh, he was just all over the place, didn't, had paperwork all over, never did his filing and everything else. And he was trying to uh, attract new clients. And he kept getting these same clients over and over again that he had to micromanage, that you know they were all over the board. They didn't know which end was up. And he came to me and he says, I just don't know what my problem is. All these people keep coming to me and, and they're so disorganized. It's driving me into this stress zone that I can't handle. And, and basically what needed to be done was he needed to, organize himself first so that new clients that followed would be in an organized state like him right exactly and that's a perfect example of the laws of attraction at work Mm -hmm. you will attract exactly what it is that you're putting out there Um, so often you know when we talked earlier about VAs uh, having to come from that place of scarcity and need that's exactly the type of uh, clients they attract into their to their practice rather than you know clients that are very abundant and come from choice so it really is it's it's exactly how the laws work now are there key principles of attraction there are some real important key principles uh to attraction and i'll just briefly you know uh, talk a little bit about some of them practicing self-care is one of them you know so looking after yourself so you have something left to give to others Uh, living in the present so staying present in the moment and not going into the future which is usually where our fear is Um, responding versus versus reacting you know reacting is kind of that automatic thing we do whereas responding is about um, choosing how you're going to respond to something in it it really demonstrates you're giving attention to what's happening and that creates a bond between you and the other person which is very attractive Um, reserves of time and space you know Mm -hmm. a lot of us have very little of that but doing the things to make sure that you have reserves Um, adding value for the joy of it you know adding value to clients not because you feel you have to but that you do it because you love to do it and it just makes you you know brings joy to your life Uh, having a profound effect on others. You know, as VAs, part of what we do is we show people options and solutions that can and often do have a profound effect on them. You know, we give them tools and strategies to support them in succeeding in their business. 
um, attraction marketing, which is, you know, basically loving what you do. Mm -hmm. When you love what you do, it's very easy. Um, Working on your personal development is, is a big part of how, you know, we get to uh, to be attractive, focusing on life issues and finding out what our true beliefs and values are and then living in accordance with them. Another concept that some of our listeners may be familiar with is over-deliver versus under-promise. You know, um, that Go adrenaline. that extra mile. Right, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, when we create a vacuum, um, and when you have, what I mean by that is when you have a very compelling vision mm-hmm. for your business and you share it with others, it, it not only pulls you forward, it attracts other people because the, of the vacuum created between uh, the present and the possibility of what will be. Mm-hmm. You know, responding immediately, uh, and that's about getting rid of tolerations, those barriers uh, that are in the way to being able to respond. So identifying areas in your life where you can implement a system uh, to handle projects, issues, or needs automatically, rather than having to make lists, which ultimately are to-do lists, can become a toleration themselves. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Mary Lou, do you teach this? Are you going to be teaching this in in a formal manner at some point to people? No, this is very very difficult to teach mm-hmm. in a, a it, to teach in a more formal. It really is. It's a. a process of self-discovery so what I do with my coaching practice is this is one of the areas that I do uh, provide coaching services for so supporting someone in you know working on their personal foundation and um, getting to know themselves in a new way and being able to create that life that they truly desire you know by working on who they are you know and I think it's important that people understand that by working on who they are they're actually working on their business. Yeah, because you want to align your whole business, not just your clients, but the people you buy from, the people you outsource work to, everything around the same type of personality you are, right? Yes. It's not just clients. It's your whole business, like you said. Yeah, and it's really even, it extends even beyond our business into our personal life as well, Mm -hmm. you know, because we are our business and who we are is what makes our business unique. You know, I am different from you. And so even though we may offer the same services, it's who we are that brings that uniqueness to our services. Well, this is a great conversation. Uh, I think one that we could go on for hours with. Um, <laughs> yes, <laughs> but we do have we do have to sh- cut it short here because our time's running out. But Mary Lou, I really, really thank you for uh, coming on and sharing this with us. Mary Lou will be in the forum for other questions and answers. But I do recommend you check out her website, vatp.ca. And we'll maybe put your email and stuff up on the VA talk show notes so that people can get in direct contact with you for coaching. Yeah, that would be great. My coaching site isn't up yet, but they can definitely uh, contact me through uh, the VATP website, and I'd be more than happy to, you know, discuss any coaching services they may want if they're ready to, you know, start working on becoming irresistibly attractive. Yes, and just as irresistibly attractive as you are, Mary Lou. Why, thank you, Tanya. It's been a pleasure. Thanks again so much for having me on the show. You're welcome. We'll see you soon. Thanks. Are you looking to get out of your 9-to-5 job? 
Would you like to start your own profitable clerical business? Maybe you are new to the virtual assistant business and looking for templates and resources to get you over the hump of starting your own home-based business. I suggest you take a good look at the virtual business startup system created by Tanya Sutherland, a VA herself since 1997. This system will help any virtual assistant get over the mountains that are involved in setting up a new virtual business. Her 30-day program has been proven time and time again in countries all over the world to be simple, easy, and effective, even for someone who has never owned, managed, or operated their own business. In just 30 days, you'll be well on your way to creating your own financial security without depending on anyone else. Invest in the virtual business startup system found at www.vanetworking.com. You won't be disappointed. So school is out. How cool is that? Many of my online business colleagues that work from home dread when school is out. It means like a total screw up to their regular home business schedule with complaints of, I don't know, noisy kids while on the phone talking to a client or trying to figure out ways to entertain those bored children so that you can get back to work, you know? For many, it slows down their home-based business somewhat in the summer having the kids off on summer vacation. For me, however, it has the complete opposite effect. I'm the busiest during the summers, and I always look forward to summer holidays and having the kids at home. I think the number one reason for this is now I don't have to wake up early in the morning to get the kids off to school. (laughs) My whole time schedule tends to shift ahead to a lazier summer business start in the day, which I love since I am definitely not a morning person. Getting to sleep in that extra hour seems to boost my energy for the day, and I get a ton more done in my work schedule. I don't know about you, but that extra hour, it's like heaven to me. Plus, what a bonus it is having the kids home through the day since they can be my gopher now when I need one. Go for this, go for that. They really love that part of their summer vacation. (laughs) But some of the things they do do for me are, you know, simple things. They can get me cups of tea through the day. They stuff and label envelopes. They shred paper in the paper machine. Kids love doing that. Just watch for little fingers. You don't want to have any accidents there at home. Another thing they can do is faxing or filing. Get them to do those jobs that you don't like doing. And uh, they can even dust and vacuum your office or organize and sort all your small office supplies. You know how your elastics get stuck in with your paper clips and all that. Get them to sort it all out. The summer's the time to do that. One of the best things my kids do for me in the summer is this is when I get on to my marketing blitz for the um, new fall year coming up. And I get them to hop on their bike and market blitz all over the local town with flyers about my business and stuff like that. You know, they take off with their friends and, you know, pay them five bucks for the day to go do it or something. Well, probably more if you've got teenagers. They don't do nothing for five dollars anymore, do they? So I say instead of going, ah! School is out. (laughs) Say Yahoo or Google if that is more your fancy. (laughs) I love having my kids hanging out with me and my business every summer. This is one of the reasons I became a VA, to be able to stay at home and work and watch my children grow. So enjoy the summer with your kids and make the best of it by putting them to work. (laughs) There's no age law to employ your own children yet, so let's milk this, parents. 
for as long as we can since no doubt in a few years time the kids will have formed some governmental law saying that now parents can't give them chores or something. Okay, on to our show today. I've decided that the VA talk show is just too long. Some shows it runs into almost an hour and a half. I also feel like I'm always cutting my guests off too short and would love to get to know them better during their interview, but always seem to run out of time. So I'm going to either have a guest speaker or a spotlight each podcast instead of having them both. I'm also going to extend my intro somewhat and feature products or events that would be of interest to business owners working virtually. Saying that, I came across a great couple of products I wanted to share with you this week. They are both related to affiliate marketing. Now, if you have products or services that you sell online, you're missing the boat if you don't have an affiliate crew out there helping you sell it. Once you have a crew online selling it for you, you not only sell more and make extra money, but overall it it lowers your workload trying to sell your product, which means you can sit in that sofa watching the tube that extra half hour today. (laughs) In a nutshell, an affiliate crew or it's usually called an affiliate program, I call it an affiliate crew, are people who have websites of their own and market your product through a banner or text link that is connected up to a tracking system to count the sales. Your affiliates will make commissions off the sale of your products on their website. It's a win-win for both companies. The affiliate crew gets paid commissions and you get more sales without having to do any more work. Again, more couch time. <laughs> so to get you started in affiliate marketing, I found a couple of ebooks that are fantastic and will inform you about everything you need to know about affiliate marketing. They are both from Alice Seba, a friend of mine here in Vancouver. We just had lunch together at my house the other day and she's a great lady with two lovable little boys who I had the privilege of feeding hot dogs to. Okay, so I'm not much of a cook. (laughs) Sue me. But however, Arnie did dose us up with a gourmet lunch of shrimp cocktails and, and delectable finger sandwiches. So Alice did well. The kids just got hot dogs. So sorry, kids. But you know what? That's all kids like. It's hot dogs. Anyways, I'm starting to get hungry just thinking about it. So a great woman, and I highly recommend these two products of hers. The first one is called Affiliate Marketing Sweetie. If anybody knows uh, Alice, she she markets in a sweetie approach, which is something I really recommend as well. Uh, her affiliate program will teach you everything you need to know about starting up an affiliate program of your own to sell your product through. You'll be able to find these links on the VA talk show as I talk about them. So the first one is the affiliate marketing sweetie. Now, once you've gotten that one, you'll want to get the second one. It's called Affiliate Manager, sweetie. And this is a godsend to anyone who wants to rally up their affiliates to bring them together to work as a strong force in selling your products. It's a step-by-step, no-fluff guide to affiliate management. The last product I'm going to recommend, which is dear to my heart because it keeps me so organized, is Affiliate Manager Pro. Now this is a software which enables me to keep all my usernames, passwords, login links, welcome letters, and other notes you receive when you sign up for an affiliate program. 
You can keep them all in one simple to use program. It's perfect to organize all this information that I used to have all over my computer in Outlook, printed out in Excel sheets. It was all over the place and I could never find the affiliate link or my username password when I needed it. So if you sell products online through an affiliate program, you'll want to get this product, okay? Uh, it's great to keep you organized. Now, all these products will be featured on the VA Talk Show notes. So you can check out the links there and go look at them and investigate them a little bit more. But if you do sell product online, getting an affiliate crew working for you is the passive way to go to make more money. have a new sponsor for the VA Talk Show, Time Tracker, a simple and effective time tracking system for your virtual business. We have a free trial offered at the VA Talk Show notes, so go there, check it out, try it out. Also, the seventh person to email me at timetracker at vanetworking.com will receive a free licensed version of this software valued at $29.95 US. So go to VA Talk Show notes, email me at timetracker at vanetworking.com and the seventh email I receive receives that free license copy of Time Tracker. We're back this week with Rock and Talk. Brent, are you out there? Yes, I'm here. Hi. What do we got yeah. to talk about today? Well, today we're going to talk about um, buying a laptop. Oh, cool. Yeah, I notice uh, everybody wants to buy new laptops. So, what do you do? What do you? How do you decide what's a good laptop and what isn't? There's several things. Well, first you have to decide if you want to go with a a Mac or a PC. Right, and we love those Macs. They're so pretty. They are pretty. Yeah. They're more expensive. Mhm. And you only get a few choices. So on the on the lower end, like fifteen hundred dollars. You get a 13-inch screen. So if you wanted a bigger screen, you would have to go to a Mac Pro. So there's two versions, a MacBook and a MacBook Pro, and that's it. So the MacBooks are all 13 inches, and the MacBook Pros are 15 inches and 17 inches. Okay. So it gets, but the, uh, they get kind of expensive. The 15 inches start at 2000 And that's U.S., right? And that's U.S., that's right, yeah. That's actually that. almost the same as Canadian now. We're up to 95 cents on your dollar, aren't we? Well, there you go. It's almost <laughs> the same. Catching up. Yeah. And the okay. 17 inches are about 2800 All right. So uh, it, it's not too hard if you're going to go Mac-wise to choose a laptop. It's pretty easy to pick a Mac because um, there are no bad Macs. Right. You know, but you pay, uh, the cheapest Mac, I think, is $1,100. For a MacBook, and it's a 13-inch screen, which is, it's not what I would pick. <laughs> right. 13 inches for the ultimate traveler. Um, you know, and the, these are some of the things you have to think about when you buy a laptop. So here's some of the things. What size screen do you want? Do you travel a lot? Are you on airplanes? Uh, you know, do you travel all the time? You want something that's um, compact and lightweight. So a smaller laptop would fit. Now, if you're a... Uh, home user or you just kind of go down to the coffee shop every now and then then maybe a, a better laptop a bigger one would be better for you now yeah. or a uh, power user or a gamer or i'm sure 
or uh, you know graphic design the bigger the screen the better it is I have a 17 inch and I wouldn't go anything smaller than that for me because uh, I like the big screens and my weight is about six pounds but I'm okay you know it doesn't really matter to me and for me if I I've been looking at laptops, and what I want one for is mostly just to read my ebooks and stuff at the hockey game or whatever, right? Yeah, so okay. So I, I, I just want something small and little that's not heavy. A 13-inch screen is, like, perfect for me. There you so go. So you really have to weigh out what are you going to use your laptop for, first of all, before you even go into the market looking for them, right? Exactly. You have to figure out what kind of user you are. Mm-hmm. Are you a, uh, a home user, a business user? a student, a frequent flyer, a mm-hmm. gamer. Because I, I also want a small ones for when I travel. All I'm going to use it for is to download my email and throw some pictures on from my traveling. There right? you go. So I don't need this big, huge thing. No, I want a really light little one-pounder or yeah. something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the one-pounder, yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay, so PC, Macs are easy to choose from, but PCs now, we get into stuff like, do I get a Dell, do I get a Toshiba, you know, how do you know which one, which line to even go to, to choose which one, which make, first of all? Um, well, you don't pick a line, you pick a, um, what you want in a computer, and then you go to the line to see if they offer. That'd be okay. like um, um, going to the, uh, a dealership, to buy a car, but you don't know what kind of car to buy. and Or otherwise, figure out what kind of car you need and then go to the dealerships to look for those cars. Does that make sense? Yeah, so you don't buy by color like you did with your laptop. That You have a red one, don't you? <laughs> I have a red one. <laughs> yeah, I did uh, six months' worth of research on mine before I bought mine. I remember that. Yes, I remember. And the red sold you, didn't it? Yes, it did. It was a selling point <laughs> for me, but it was a great, it was a great laptop. It still is. It's a year old. So where can we go to research about laptops if okay. we want to well, do um, so that? So you got to figure out what kind of user you are. Now, what do you need? Long battery life? You need a big screen, small screen? Do you want a fast processor, a medium processor, a DVD burner, or just a CD burner? course wireless you would need some kind of wireless and wired do you need to hook up an external monitor to it if you ever need to hook up two monitors you know you're going to be doing powerpoint presentations right and i guess also you want to look into your keyboards like what kind of keyboards uh, yes keyboard how it feels with you exactly with your hands small keyboards are hard to type with Uh, for me they are and a mouse like what kind of mouse does it have i know the uh the the IBMs have that little it's you put your finger over this little ball and it's oh, I don't like that one yeah the think pads the old think pads it's very compact though it's built like a suitcase I mean the thing is rugged that's the other thing you got to think about um, smaller breaks easier but bigger okay. screens break easier too so you know laptops are fragile um, some of them are built like tanks like a lot of the Lenovo's are built like tanks, and they're for business class travelers. Okay, so what would be a good processor, and what would be a bad one? Good processors are the Intel Core Two Duos and the Turion 64 X2s. One is by AMD, is one is by Intel. 
Those are the two top processors that do really good on battery life and are very fast. Now, I would not ever recommend a Celeron or a Duron. Or not, I'm sorry, not a Duron, a Sempron. I remember when, okay, I, I remember when I was looking for laptops on Craigslist or something, you said, don't do Celeron. I'll, I'll never forget you saying that to me. Yeah. It's a lower-end processor, and they may seem appealing because of the price, but you will always hate your laptop. <laughs> well, I don't, I'm not sure. That, that's not true. If you just get email, surf the web, write some Word documents, that might be just fine. But I find that most people, when they have a laptop, they get one, and they always ask me, oh, hey, can I do... And then they want to do something that's out of their realm of their laptop because they have a laptop now. They want to do more stuff. So they're limited by their choice that they made early on. That brings me to another question. What about add-ons for laptops? Like say I want to increase the memory down the road and everything, or do you buy a laptop knowing that you aren't going to um, upgrade it at all because I'm sure it's really expensive to do upgrades and stuff to laptops? Actually, the only uh, upgrade you can do... A to a laptop is memory, which is okay. still, it's not that bad, and hard drive. And that's about it. You're, you're kind of stuck in the laptop. So you really need to, uh, you know, write down the things that you want on it right. for the next Do you want a good two? audio card? You know, do you want a good video card? Mm -hmm. Do you want a DVD burner? Do you want Firewire? Do you want how, you got to have plenty of USB ports. Don't get a laptop with only two USB ports. You'll be struggling all the time with, with USB ports. So how many do you recommend? Like eight or something? Well, I don't uh, think any of them have eight. Four is okay. a good number. <laughs> I don't know. Um, two is just hard uh, because if you use a mouse with the USB port, then that only leaves one open. You're just kind of struggling if you have to hook anything else up. Then do you want right. uh, Bluetooth? You know, some uh, so you can get a Bluetooth mouse or a PDA, so you could transfer data back and forth. I have a phone that's Bluetooth, and so is mm -hmm. my laptop, and I can transfer data back and forth from my phone to my laptop. And in my phone, I have a one gig card in it, so I can hold a gig of information. Brent, off topic here a bit. Yes. Explain to me a little bit what Bluetooth means, because I, I'm I'm coming across that all the time with trying to buy a new cell phone and everything. What do they mean by Bluetooth? Bluetooth is a short distance wireless connection. So it can handle up to about, I think it's up to about nine feet now, but it's usually around three feet. Um, you can transfer data back and forth wirelessly. That's why it's used for phones. Because you're never longer than a few feet away from your phone. Well, if you hold it on your hand or in your pocket, mm -hmm. you know, and people have those Bluetooth earpieces. Well, usually the phone is on them and the earpiece is on them, so you're never that far away from your phone. It, isn't it funny when you see people, you're looking at them and think, who the heck are they talking to and what are they doing? Uh, yeah. You know, are they... Are they, are they uh, uh, have some kind of psycho mind there it looks like they're talking to nobody right and then you realize oh they're talking on their cell phone right, right? right. but y you think they've got a little bit of a head problem there or something until you realize they're on this bluetooth right <laughs> so it's it's short distance wireless connection so phones have them 
PDAs okay. have them. Um, the little uh, compacts, uh, the iPacks have them, you know, little handheld smartphones. It's just a way of transferring data. That's all it is. So you'd have it on your laptop for why? For a mouse? Yes, a actually mouse? on my laptop, I have a Bluetooth mouse. So it's wireless. So I don't have to, some people have to put a little thing in a USB port for a wireless mouse, like a little dongle. I've got you saying a little thing now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, know. I realized I said that and I said dongle. <laughs> so there's um, one USB port taken up because of a mouse. Now, if you have Bluetooth built in, you wouldn't need that and you buy a Bluetooth mouse. If you're getting a um, laptop nowadays just for standard use um, to use as a second computer, not as your main computer, what do you suggest for hard drive space? How big? What are you going to use it for? Just to use to, uh, I, I'm going to use mine as a second computer when I go traveling. I'll take some of my work with me, uh, things like that. All right, no music or video? I'm not into it really, but I suppose most people are, so you have to consider it. Uh, yeah, you know what, let's say yes, so I can put some on while the kids are in the car and they can do listen to their music or whatever as well. Maybe a movie, maybe a DVD movie okay. we put on it. That's about, um, that's about six gigs right there per movie. Okay. So you got three movies, so there's 18 gigs right there. Yeah. Music and movies and Photoshop, all that stuff takes the most space. Word documents, emails, um, you know, programs, you know, you'll be fine with an 80 gig hard drive. And most hard drives are around 80 gigs now. Okay. Uh, I'm just trying to get like a minimum right. that I should look for, consider. And 80 is a minimum. You know, if you do and starting to do video audio you want about a 120 or more and they're coming out and uh, the laptops the hard drive speeds go from 5400 to 7200 rpms okay you want a 7200 because it would be faster okay one last question because our time is up okay. and we got to go yes. here um where will i find a purple laptop <laughs> you know what I will put that in the show notes where you could find a purple, a yellow, a green one, a red one, one with a Ferrari on it. <laughs> Actually, um, the Ferrari line has done very well, which is, you know, I have one. And, yes, um, we all know. <laughs> yes. I just have to always say that. <laughs> um, and mine has carbon fiber on it. Oh, anyway, Asus is making Lamborghini laptops. Oh, very cool. Yeah, but they're not even close. Oh, I was just going to say, if I got one of them, would mine be faster than yours? No, I don't think so. Mm. <laughs> okay, Brent, well, we should go. Thanks for All helping right. us pick out our new laptops and check out the show notes. Everything will be on there after the show. We'll see you next week, Brent. All right. And if anybody has any questions about laptops, they can always email me, and I will give them some answers because it is a tough choice. It really yeah. is. And you have to think of a price budget. I'm you know, that's the thing you got to think about the most is you start with a price you want to spend and work your way down because there's always compromises, battery life, screen size, ports, hard drive, processor, memory, operating system. If you get a Vista operating system, you have to have at least one gig of memory or else it's oh, wow. not going to run. Well, you know me, I start with a price and then by the time I'm done, I'm like 2000 ahead of myself. That's true. You know, <laughs> so, yeah. It's, it's all about compromise with the laptop. Like yeah. on mine, the, the only thing I, I don't like about it is the sound card. But I didn't have an option with that. So, you know, what are you going to do? I can what always, you gonna now do? what I can do, I have two ports. 
I can always put in a sound card. Like, you know, oh, the okay. little, um, the type two, the slots, the card slots. Mm -hmm. I can yep. get a portable, um, like a creative sound card to pop in there. And actually, a lot of people make them. Like, M-Audio makes one good quality one. Well, we've got that interactive area at the forum mm -hmm. where people can ask you all kinds of questions instead of filling up your email box. That sounds like a plan. If that works for you. It is. And uh, I guess that's a wrap for today. Okay, Miss Tanya. Okay. Carrie and Tanya, your hosts of WebWise. Carrie Flatland and myself, Tanya Sutherland, are back this week with another edition of WebWise. Today we're going to talk about metatags. Carrie, hi, how are you today? Hi, Tanya. Pretty good. How are you? Good. Is it raining there? No, it's very, very hot and sunny. It's supposed to get up to 28 degrees today, so I'm happy. Oh, wow. We spent like an hour watering the flowers last night and then woke up to rain this morning. You know? <laughs> oh, really? Well, that's Vancouver for you, too. It's just hot and windy in Lethbridge, so I'm not complaining because I have air conditioning this year. So. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I don't care how hot it gets outside. No, exactly. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about Meditags. Do you want to start us off? Sure. The Probably the most important factor that all search engine optimizers agree on is title tags. And that's the words that you see at the top of the screen. So when you're browsing through Firefox or through uh, Internet Explorer, there's a blue bar at the top of your screen. And the words you see in there are the words that have been entered into your title tags in your HTML code. And title tags basically tell the search engines what that page is about. And the search engines give a lot of weight to title tags. And unfortunately, a lot of people don't use unique title tags for each page of their site. And so they're really missing a very easy way to get search engine attention. And um, the other thing, too, is to make sure that you put keywords in your title tags as well. And um, that really it's really that simple. You just put two or three key phrases in your title tags in your HTML code and you're done. And you should do a unique title tag for each page of your website. So they should not be the same on every page of the site. And the other mistake people make with title tags that I wanted to mention was that don't just put about us or home page or the name of your company in your title tag because that's not really what people are searching on. They're searching on terms that make sense to them. So you don't want to waste that precious space in your title tag on something generic that says, you know, virtual assistant company homepage, because it just doesn't mean anything to either the search engines or people searching for your site. Exactly. No, it's one of the worst things I, I've, and I've seen it, I see it all the time. Is yeah. You look in the, <clears throat> you bring up a web page and it's someone's made their own page and you see in that blue line up on the top of the browser, it says untitled.htm. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they don't have they anything in there. touched it. Oh, I know. Like people and aren't even aware. it's the first thing I look at. <laughs> yeah. I always look at the title tag of a website to, and it's such a giveaway that they haven't optimized it when you look at that title tag. Yes, an effective title tag, uh, how long, how many key phrases. 
I don't know how, how long. Everybody's going to be a little bit different. I probably put about 10 words in mine, and that includes phrases, right? Yeah, because your, your phrases, like your keywords shouldn't really just be single word Mm-mm. phrases. You know, that's so difficult to do, and that's a whole other show. But yeah, if you put three phrases in there, and each one's two or three words, and then maybe your company name at the end or something. That's about 10 words. I think I think the general consensus is 60 or 65 characters, maybe max. And then at that point, the search engines kind of cut it off anyway. Yeah, they don't look they at it anyways. It. Yep. Yeah, so. But very important. It's probably the most important meta tag of them all is the title tag. Absolutely. Um, the other tag that people ask about is the description meta tag. Um, It doesn't necessarily help your rankings. It's been hard to prove, but it does help your click-throughs in the search engine results pages. So, for example, where your description will show up is if you type a search term into Google and you get a whole list of websites, the description that you've created in your description meta tag actually shows up right underneath the link. Yeah. Am I saying that right, Tanya? Yeah, it, it's it's what shows up beside your link in Google, basically. Yeah. It's the enticer. And it's the enticer to get people to click right. on you. So when people are scanning page one or page two of their search results, they'll look at the title tag, which shows up as the link, and then they'll often look at the description underneath to decide, well, should I click on that one or that one or that one? They won't... The, the, Search engines won't always use the description meta tag that you've created because it's also related to the search term that the searcher has entered into Google. But the likelihood of your description showing up is better if you actually write your own description. And sometimes I just take a, a sentence or two right out of my web page copy. Yeah. If it sums up the, the content of that page, then use it. And, and hopefully the first paragraph in your web page copy almost sums up. It should. Yeah so that people are grounded as soon as they get there. Exactly. So those are two tags that are really easy to do. Mm-hmm. Um, what about the rest of them? What about our keyword meta tags? What do you think of that one? <laughs> Forget about it. <laughs> Forget them. Yeah. If I had a nickel for every time someone asked me about their keyword tags, you know, I wouldn't have to work anymore. <laughs> They're not that important. They're yeah. just the search engines used to put weight in them, but people just abused it and they just stuffed their keyword meta tags with you know a hundred phrases. Mm-hmm. But it didn't necessarily mean that that page contained that that type of content. Yeah. Also, uh, do you remember the? I don't know if you remember or not. You're probably not old enough, Carrie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just teasing. What do you mean? I'm just teasing. But I remember when people used to stuff their keywords with, um, what is the number one word searched on the internet? Sex. Exactly. And everybody used to Maybe stuff their... Maybe I answered their... that too quickly. Yes, you did. No. <laughs> but uh, that's the number one keyword. And uh, it's not a keyword really for anything related to virtual assistants. And, but I I'm, ju- I'm just... I hope not too. But... Uh, <laughs> before we get off on a really bad track here. (laughs) But back to what I was saying was people used to put that word in there because it was a number one word searched. So they thought, oh, well, if I put sex in my keyword list, my meta tags, whenever anybody types that in, all come up first. Well, in years gone by, maybe that did happen, but first of all, who would want anyone that was typing sex in to find <laughs> your website? <laughs> but, that probably isn't a potential client. Exactly. But that was like how the abuse started with the keyword meta tags. Yeah. And, uh, oh. 
you know, so I, I don't even use keyword meta tags a lot of the time. But here's the problem, Kelly. I have a lot of clients that say I want my keywords in my meta tags, right? And they're right. very demanding about it. And like I know they don't work worth a dang, you know. But yeah. they still want it, and you still have to please your customer. So what I will yeah. do is, you know, each page I optimize maybe for two to three to four keyword phrases or something like that. I'll put those meta tags in, right? Or keywords, right. not meta tags. Sorry. Well, if for nothing else, it's a good, it's it's record keeping. Yeah. And then I know what each page is optimized for yeah. too, if I have to come yeah. back and look at it, right? And yeah. it confuses your competitors a little bit too, sometimes maybe. Yeah. It's, it's sort of, you know, you can do it and it's not going to hurt. I know some people will say keyword meta tag is good for sticking in a few common misspellings. Mm-hmm of your key of your key phrases and that certainly can't hurt you know if it gets you a couple extra um visitors that month you know why you know it takes three seconds to do it and not Mm -hmm. a big deal and that's saying if the search engine even checks that keyword meta tag anymore i don't know if they do right yeah i don't if they do it's so low on the priority list in their algorithms that you know i certainly wouldn't spend more than a couple minutes on it But that's basically our little quickie on meta tags and why you should be using them. What will we talk about next week, Carrie? Next week, we are going to talk about the importance of finding your niche and how that relates to marketing your business online and helps you be more competitive. Yes. So stay tuned for the next one on your niche and why you should have one. That's all for today, Carrie. See you next week. See you next week, Tanya. That concludes our podcast today, and we hope you enjoyed the new itinerary. Thanks to Mary Lou Ashton, Brent Riley, and Carrie Flatla, who helped further inform, educate, and entertain business entrepreneurs who work virtually from home. Check out our show notes at www.vatalkshow.com to find all the products and links discussed in today's show. Plus, interact with our guests at our website, www.vatalkshow.com. The VA Talk Show, where VAs talk the walk. See you next time. Thank <laughs> you.